I have the privilege to meet Lisa and Judy and uh, Jim Long. Jim's going with us on a mission trip, by the way. He's committed to that, and we look forward to that. And I see other faces that look kind of new to me, and that's good. Uh, I know Judy was kind of wondering, some school class, how everybody knew us so well. And I thought, well, before Todd came, I preached here a good bit. So I got to know you folk and love you people. And and your special, Kingsway's always been special to myself and Carolyn. And, and we're grateful for you folks. I was pleased and honored when Pastor Todd called me last week and asked me if I could preach for him. And I led this point when he called back to just need me on Sunday morning. But I was looking forward to coming to both services. But I always enjoy being here. But uh, I wish you all a happy new year. And thank you for being a part of the Lebanon Baptist Association and for being a part of all that we do. And I'm grateful for you and for all the other 36 churches. Now, Lisa, when I see you out in public, I may not know who you are. Uh, I was in the drugstore getting one of Carol's prescriptions yesterday. And this lady came in. I looked at her and said, I know her. But she also favored one of my daughter's old high school buddies. And I said, no, but Kelly's not that tall. And I, I said, I know her, but I just can't place which church she's in right now. Of course, as she left, she spoke to me. Then as soon as she spoke, it just all came back. I knew who she was. Knew her parents. Knew I could ask some things about her family. I just, she's a member of Greenfield. And it just, it's hard when you have 36 churches and several thousands of people that you come in contact with and remember everybody's name. It's impossible. But we've been privileged to be here enough to know a lot of these folks. And a lot of these fellas uh, have gone with us to uh, the Gulf Coast. So many, I don't know how many times we've been down there, Greg and Terry. We've been down there a lot. <laughs> but uh, hopefully we've been able to help some folks and share Christ with some people and, and make an impact on, on things. Thank you for being a part of that. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, uh, we're going to begin the new year with the a first chapter in the book of Joshua. Joshua is is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, there are, I have many of them. Of course, some of you know that already. But I prayed this past week or so and asked the Lord, where should I go? What should I preach? And, and there are so many things I could preach. Uh, so many passages of Scripture. The Word of God is rich. It's inexhaustible. Uh, I could just about turn to almost any place in the Bible and preach because there's so much there. But I ask God, give me something that's going to be challenging, encouraging, uplifting, and something that's going to help us know who we are and whose we are. I think sometimes we know, we think we know who we are, but we forget whose we are. For you're not your own, you're bought with a price. You're bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And, and we were talking Sunday school about the Christian lifestyle. And, and the reason we don't live like we ought to as Christians, but we forget who we are and whose we are. If we remember whose we are, then we might be a little more careful about how we act. Because we represent a king. Uh, Paul said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, now where you are ambassadors for Christ. And as his ambassadors, we represent him wherever we go. And, and who we are and whose we are it makes a significant impact in the world. A lot of things that are happening in the world is because we as a church have failed doing what we're supposed to be doing. We've gotten lazy. We're so lazy, we don't even come back on Sunday night hardly anymore. And I'll probably hit some toes there, and that's okay. I don't, I'm not going to apologize for that because I believe that Sunday is called the Lord's Day for a reason. Not the Lord's hour or the Lord's two hours. The Lord's Day. 
And, and if the church has scheduled services, now Todd didn't ask me to say this, and he's not paying me anything for it. But if you church scheduled services, and as part of that church, you entered into covenant with the church. I'm sure in your constitution by laws, a lot of our churches have a covenant hanging on a wall. But you entered into covenant with this church when you joined this church to be faithful and regular in your attendance. And that's not for legalism. That's for Jesus. That's because of who you are and who you belong, who you belong to. Who's you are. So oftentimes, in today's world, we have gotten to the place in our society that we forget what it's about. Rick Warren, in, in his Purpose Driven Life, one of his first opening statements is, I, I love it, I use it often. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about buildings. It's amazing the churches that get in trouble spiritually and otherwise because over a building. Buildings are important. They're necessary. But they're not what it's about. It's not about who's in charge. Because there should be no one but one in charge anyway. And it's about Him. When we keep our focus on whose we are and who we are and what we're about, then we have more of a tendency of being who we are. Serving Christ and living Him out. Joshua is, is one of the great characters. I, I, I guess maybe the Lord led as a thought after thought actually led me to this message. It's probably because this is the first Sunday of the new year. It's new beginnings. And Joshua, is first chapter, is a new beginning for a nation of Israel. You know the history of Israel. You know how, how they were, uh, in bondage to Egypt, how God brought, led, brought up Moses and led them out. You know about the journeys throughout the wilderness for the 40 years. And you know about that sin at Kadesh Barnea. And this is where Joshua really be, comes into play there, he and Caleb. There were the only Two of the twelve spies who simply said, they're, they're just grasshoppers to us in the power of God. But the other ten, they said, no, no, they're, they're giants in the land. And we can't take them. They were right. They couldn't take them. But Josh and Caleb had their eyes on someone else rather than themselves. And they, they knew there would be nothing. And because of that faith, these are the only two men above 20 years of age at that time who are actually going to get to go into the promised land. But they haven't gotten there yet. If they're still on the journey. The mantle has passed. Moses is dead now. Moses died because Moses sinned. Don't let ever stop and think that you will ever get by with sin. We're talking a little bit about that in Sunday school. If you didn't make Sunday school, you missed it, by the way. Uh, uh, Sunday school is there for a reason too. Let me probably plug in for Sunday school. It's Bible study. You learn something in Sunday school. You ought to be in Sunday school. But we learn some things in Sunday school. We talked about some things in Sunday school. We don't get by with sin. Moses didn't get by. If Moses didn't get by, do you expect that you're going to get by? Or I'm going to get by? 
Moses lost a temper. He got angry and he sinned against God and he lost his privilege of going into the promised land. So don't think that you're going to get by with sin. The world thinks they get by with sin, but beloved, the world's not getting by with sin. God just showed His judgment all, judgment all over us. Why do, you, why do you think our economy is so bad? Why do you think we're making trips still down the Gulf, the Gulf Coast? Because we're not getting out with sin. That's why. But Joshua was one of those faithful. Let's, let me read Scripture. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the, the going down of the sun shall be your coast. That shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only, notice that word, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Not part of it. Not just the parts you like. All the law. Which Moses my servant commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein both day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Folks, we've got our economics wrong. That's a good verse. If I was going to preach on stewardship, that's a good place to start right there. Believe me. I may have shared this here one time before, but I was teaching in my last pastor. I started two young adult Sunday school classes. I started one, grew them up a little bit, about five, six years, and then I winged them off and started another because I had another crop of young marriage coming up, you know. But one of the young guys came in, you know, that first year or so, and he, oh, he was excited. He, he'd gotten involved in these pyramids, Amway type schemes, or what I call it a scheme, whatever. Some of you may say, oh, Amway, that's fine, but, uh, oh, he was excited. He was going to get rich. Oh, he was going to do well. And I, I, when I teach, I, I like to write. I had this great big six foot marker board on the wall. I walked over there, wrote Matthew 6.33. And they start flipping the Bibles real quick. I said, that's the only way that you'll ever get rich. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Not let the word of the God depart from your mouth. And meditate in it both day and night. And to do everything it says to do. 
And then God will make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. If we ever get economics right in our mind in the church and then carry that over into the world, we might see some things happen. God's economy is different from man's economy. God does, does everything in paradoxes. You know that, don't you? Jesus said if you're going to be first, you've got to be last. If you're going to live, you've got to die. You know, God works differently from what man works. So that's what he told Joshua to do this. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. What a way to start a new year, knowing that we have a commission of God, a commandment of God, and that we follow it the way God tells us to follow it, then we can prosper and have good success. We talk about prosperity. We talk about a prosperous new year. Beloved, this is where it starts at. Right here with the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, we love you. and We do lift your name on high. Thank you so much, Father, for uh, that worship hymn. Thank you for Gracie, for George, for sharing it with us. Lord, we praise you just for the opportunity of being here today in this place of worship with these brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, if by chance someone would be here that we could not call brother or sister, Father, may this be the day that the Holy Spirit just convicts their heart, that you draw them to yourself in such a way that they might come to know Christ. And they may have the opportunity to live forever in your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings this past week, this past year even. Lord, you've been so good and so gracious to us. Lord, you've given us life. You woke us up this morning. And you do prosper us. Lord, may we ever look towards you, stay in your word, and stay faithful and focused. And we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. May your blessing be upon this message. May you do with it as you would wish. May it speak to the hearts in a way that you would, the Holy Spirit takes it and gives it to each individual and speaks to them the way that you would have them hear it. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua was a very successful servant of God. He is definitely an example for all of us to follow. He is one of the examples I look to follow. The illustration one time was told by Zig Ziegler, who was a great Sunday school teacher at First Baptist Dallas, about a young man named Bill Carlotta. Bill Carlotta was a, a man, a little statue. He wasn't a big guy at all. Some of you may know the story. But Bill Carlotta went to a lumber camp to apply for a job. When he got to the lumber camp, he sent him to the boss man, and he told the boss man, I want a job. He said, son... Young man, it takes a, a man to cut trees down. He said, just give me an axe and I'll show you what I can do. I get, if I don't get a tree down and half time it takes your best axeman, then uh, you don't need to give me a job. They chuckled a little bit, but the boss man gave him an axe. And he went to work on a tree, and sure enough, he had had the tree down in 15 minutes less than the best man in camp. And the man said, son, where did you learn to cut a tree like that? He said, in the Sahara. Boy, that's a desert, he said. It is now. <laughs> we need to approach everything in our Christian life the same way Bill Carlotta approached that tree, with everything we've got. If we put everything we have into this next year in our Christian life, then we're going to get what we put into it. We'll reap what we sow, as the Scriptures call us. Joshua was one of those guys who put everything he had 
in what God called him to do. He didn't turn to the right hand. He didn't turn to the left hand. That's opposite up here for me. So I'm looking right here and left here, but it's opposite on my side. But he didn't turn one way or the other. He stayed true to God. He stayed focused on what his calling was. He had a job before him. Beloved, I'm not sure I would want to have the task that Joshua had. That's a big responsibility. I, would, I was talking to Brother Mose, who was a member of Valley Street Church yesterday, there at Kmart, while I was waiting for Kellen's prescriptions. And he said something about the new president. He said, he's going to have a job. I said, yes, and I don't envy it one bit. I would not want his job. I wouldn't even want Joshua's job. He had responsibility given him by God to take God's children over into the promised land. Now we know later on a lot of things ensued in that effort from crossing the Jordan to defeating all kinds of enemies in, in the land of Canaanites and Hittites and all these people. But as long as Joshua kept the people focused on God, just what Joshua, God told Joshua to have the people do, they did okay. As we read the Scripture, I was thinking about all that going over, taking place over Israel, Gaza and all this stuff. Now, you know, all that belongs to God's people. It still does. I hope, and I told Brother Mose this, I hope our new president remembers that. I hope he doesn't let his Muslim background influence him to lean toward Esau when he should be leaning toward Jacob. If he does, if he doesn't, then we're in trouble. Our country's in trouble. But I'll not, I'll stay off eschatological things as much as I can, but, but notice there's something about Joshua. His calling. I thought I preached a message here some years ago, probably four years ago, in October on the call. Had one young lady came to him after service. Said she that's called a full time missions. I remember that very well. Our call is important. God's called you and He's called me to serve Him. There's no exceptions. If you're saved, you belong to Him. God's called you. Now he may not call you, have called you to be in a pastoral role or, or even a preaching role, but he's called you to be in some type of servant role in his ministry. He may call you to be a leader. He may call you to be able to stand up and do music, even though that's not what you normally do. But God's called you to serve, like he's called me. Jo- uh, uh, Joshua had a call, and that was the confidence that was placed upon him by God. To me, that would be an awesome, it has been for me, an awesome thing that God placed his confidence upon my life to put me in the places he's, he's placed me. I speak of that personally. I'm overwhelmed and I'm at awe. Uh, if you all knew my background and knew where I come from, you would be surprised that I'd be where I am today. You would be, you mean God put that little toe-headed, poor country Sacramento boy in the ministry? Folks in my home church were that surprised, believe me. So much to the point that they even kind of had bets going out. I found out later in years whether or not I was going to make it in the ministry. And I don't know where I ever made it yet or not. I'm still hanging in there. And I'm the only one out of the four that is. You see, God picks the base things of this world to confuse the world and the wisdom of the world. God doesn't choose the most elite, the most articulate God chooses those that, like me, that He can get glory from. Because that way, I know you know it's not because of me. That's the way God works. He doesn't pick the uh, Harvey P- 
Paul Harvey voices. Sometimes he does, but most times he doesn't. He doesn't pick the, the people of the, the movie actor charisma to serve him. He picks you and me. Picks everyday folks. Joshua, I believe, was just an everyday fellow. That just because of who he was, God knew that he could trust him and place him in this position of leadership. God has great confidence in Joshua. Can he have the same confidence in you? Is your life in relationship to Christ in such a way that if God needed you and wanted to use you, that He could call you and place you in, in this in a place of leadership? It ought to be. As you look at January 2009, we started in this new year, God should be able to use every one of us in any choice, any position, any place that He would desire. He should have that much confidence in. But then God gave him a commission. The whole first nine verses talks about Joshua's commission. God, God just, okay, Joshua, I've called you. As I was with my servant Moses, so shall I be with you. Beloved, God doesn't call us, set us apart, and without commissioning us and without preparing us. I think Joshua's preparedness took place during the whole 40 years of the wandering in the wilderness, especially since Kadesh Barnea. I believe Joshua's heart was true to God, and Joshua's heart was ready for God. It was tender, open to what God wanted to do. In fact, sometimes I wonder, I, I thought about this in my own mind, you know, Caleb was a great, great servant of God too. And later on in Joshua, when Caleb asked for his mountain, you know, you think, well, I wonder why God didn't call him? Caleb instead of, why he called Joshua instead of Caleb? There must have been something about Joshua and his leadership ability that Caleb didn't have because Caleb was just as faithful and just dedicated to God as Joshua was. But God chose Joshua to be the leader of his people. But at the same time, he was also Moses' general or Moses' right-hand man, so to speak. But God gave him a commission. But part of that commission gave him was to carry on. Carry on. Moses couldn't go over. Moses is dead now. But I've called you and I've commissioned you to carry on the work. Keep it going. I'm one of the old folks. I, I read obituaries about every day. You know, I, don't, I, I go online, I hit Tri-Cities, I hit Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I even go to Winston-Salem and read those. And sometimes I go to Charlotte Observer because I know people of all over the country. And pastor churches in Wilkes County, Polk County, North Carolina, and I'm from South Carolina, state South Carolina. So I check all those out. But I read those obituaries and I see where saints of God have gone on to glory. And I'm sitting there thinking, who's going to pick up the mantle and carry on their work? Well, I read, I read what obituary this past week of some lady here in one of the churches in Bristol who she said she was a faithful Sunday school teacher. I wonder who's carrying on her job. I'm sure somebody is. I'm sure God's called somebody. But... A lot of times, the person that God really wants is not there, and they'll just get somebody to fill the space. And the nominee committees know what I'm talking about. So oftentimes, we get so busy trying to just fill up the space, we don't really pray about what God and who God wants in that position. I told the nominee committee East End, I did enter my East End uh, this spring and summer, and I told them, I said, listen, you better off not having anybody in that position than having the wrong person. You're better off not having anyone than having the wrong person in there. 
So you pray, if God doesn't give you somebody to put in that position, don't just fill it for the sake of filling it. Find the right person that God wants or leave it blunt. Just leave it empty. Somebody, God raised somebody up to put it in that place that you never thought about. We are commissioned to carry on God's Word. One of these days, I'm going to pass on. You know, I probably, if i got 20 years left, I'm just, it's all grace of God, but if i got 20 years left, that's going to be something. You know, somebody's going to carry it. Somebody, one of these days, there's going to be another director of missions of living association, and he'll do a much better job about what I've done. But he'll carry it on. He'll keep it going. You know, God will raise somebody up. None of us are indispensable. But we need to be preparing other people to follow us and carry on. We need to be preparing ourselves. I tell young people, and you for me, I think I've spoke here, Young know, people, to be prepared so you can carry on the work of the, of the ministry. Also, like I mentioned, God, God told, challenged Joshua with a concrete degree of quality. Now, I use the word concrete because I like it. And also, it's good, good for, my, for my alliteration, too. But concrete, it says be strong. He told Joshua to be strong in the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but everybody right now, in fact, I'm looking for, if you've got a used exercise bicycle, Carol wants to buy it. But anyway, uh, everybody is now is focusing on their, their, their strength or their diet, weight loss and all this stuff and everything. And, and, you know, Carol and I watch The Biggest Loser and I watch it with her and I feel bad because I probably need to be there. But, you know, uh, but in all that, what diet loss, they, they, they do a lot of weight training and all the exercise and they get strong. And you hear these terms, no pain, no gain type terms all the time, you know. They don't get strong if they don't do the work. Have you noticed that? So when God told Joshua to be strong, there must be something that Joshua needed to do to be strong. Something he needed to exercise. I can spend a lot of time here. I know I don't have time because, folks, this is the first time I got preached since first September. <laughs> I didn't tell you all that, did he? Uh, but anyway, one of the things you can exercise is faith, confidence in the Word of God, a continual time of prayer, meditation with the Lord. Then he could be strong, focusing on the things of God and not the things of the world. It's like Peter walking on the water. When he started looking at those, those things going on around him, he started sinking. As long as he kept his eyes focused on Jesus, he's walking on water. Beloved, we need to keep ourselves focused. So like Joshua had to keep us. He had to be strong to be able to do what God wanted him to do. He had to start preparing himself spiritually, mentally, physically to do what God called him to do. And that's what we must do. He also told him that he had to be of good courage. I, I like that. Uh, Listen, some people in the world have an idea that being ministry is, is a wimpy job. Let me share something with you. It's not. It takes a lot of courage. I, I was at, at one of the churches uh, last week and I asked one of the guys who we had to go on a mission trip. I said, well, I'd like for you to share a little bit of testimony about your trip at the next quarterly meeting. Uh-uh, I don't stand up in front of people. This was a deacon. I thought, wow, I was surprised. You know, he didn't have the courage to stand up and give a mission report. I, of course, I didn't say anything, but I thought some things. This guy, where's his courage? After the Lord, 
I mean, gracious, God saved us. He saved us from the, the eternal life in hell. He gave us abundant life here. He walks with us daily. He provides our needs. Why should we not be courageous for Him? But yet the world has... They see ministers and Christians as weak and wimpy people. But no. It takes a bigger person to stand up for Jesus than it does to stand up for the devil. Believe me. If you work in a workplace where there's a lot of the world, you know that it takes more courage to stand up for Christ and be who you are and who you are in the presence of the world than it does not to. So Joshua had to be have courage. Has to have courage. We must have courage. And of course, in that, it's clinging to the Word. In verse 8, you know, it's one of my favorite verses. It's about one I committed to memory a long time ago because I think it's important. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein both day and night, that thou mayest learn to observe all that's written therein. It's important that we understand that. The last part's good. I like that. You know, I like the prosperity part. But it's more important to know the book of the law, know the Word of God. Because in it you find life. It says that itself, doesn't it? In these pages you find life. You find strength. I was in one of the churches last Sunday. And actually, uh, surprise, I haven't seen this done here. They gave awards for people who had read the Bible through daily. Or who had committed and read it you know, through in a year's time. And they had the certificates up on the communion table for everybody to come up and get it. And this was a pretty sized church. Seven people came and got certificates of the whole church. I thought, no wonder, no wonder we're in shape we're in this world. The church people don't even read the Bible daily. How can we have courage and, 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 and strength and all this when we are not in the Word of God? And we don't meditate in it. And I think it's good to read the Bible through every year, but I, I don't. I, I've done that year for a lot of years in a row. And I realize I'm doing it for probably. I started doing it out of habit, and I, I quit just for that reason. I didn't want to do it just because because it was a good thing to do. I want to do it, read it because I want to read with purpose. I tell new believers, don't don't try to read a bunch of chapters at one time. Read two or three select verses, and chew it a while. Meditate on it. Commit it to heart. Commit essence of it to memory. Don't. And I'm not, I've never been one for just memorization for the sake of memorization. It's good if you do that. But it's, I know people who can quote Bible verses don't have any clue to what they mean. Then I asked them, I said, when you were a baby, what did your mother feed you? She'd give you a new strip and say, go at it. Or when you was a child, did she do that? Or how do you eat steak today? Let me ask you that question. How do you eat steak today as grown-ups? Do you put the whole steak in your mouth at one time? You cut it up in little bites and you chew it a little bit at a time, right? What happens if you try to put a whole steak down your throat? You get choked. And folks, the same way with the Word of God. You can cram so much in there that it doesn't mean anything. Take the Word of God. Take a passage of Scripture. Let the Lord lead you some there and get you some scheduled program and study it and meditate upon it. Chew it up good. Digest it. And let it become sweet. 
in yourself. That's what Joshua, I think, did. I don't think he just did all these things. In this column, he also talks about the conquest he would have would experience. Verse 5, look at that. That shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And nobody could. If you study the whole book of Joshua, no one could stand before Joshua because he stayed true to God. He started out this whole new chapter in Israel's history doing what God called him to do, being what God called him to be, and serving the way God called him to serve. And that happened. Now, there's a couple other things. I know I probably do have to hurry. Uh, not only just know his calling, but his character. And I'm going to have to rush through this. I'm just going to throw it at you real quick. He was competent. He could be trusted. God, verses 6 and 7, says talks about Joshua and what God expected of him and how he knew that he could do what God called him to do. He also was charitable. Uh, over in chapter 6, verse 22, when they were t- taking Jericho, he told the men, go get the harlot Rahab that, that told you all the stuff before we made a commitment to her. Go and get her, save her in her house. Don't touch that place. He remembered that. He, he, he was charitable in that he extended mercy. He was courageous. Example after example after example showed he was courageous. Even to the last, uh, well, I think one of the greatest passages of Scripture is the 24th chapter where he showed strong conviction. But for you can do as you think you need to do. You can serve the gods on the other side of the flood. Or, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My last pastor, that was my trial sermon, by the way. I preached that message on purpose with, as God led me to because I wanted those people to know. They called me as a pastor. They called somebody who made it firm that for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And I'm not going to expect anything less out of you. And they learned that. The whole 11 years or so I was with them, they learned that. I... And my house served God, and I expected nothing less. One lady told me one time, I said, Preacher, you expect a lot out of us. I said, I don't expect anything more than Jesus does. First Corinthians 4 says, More is it required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Man be found faithful. Man, woman, boy, girl be found faithful. God expects, God expects us to be here on Sunday night. God expects us to be here on Wednesday night. God expects us to share the gospel with our co-workers. God expects us to be willing to go and do whatever or wherever He wants us to go or whatever He wants us to do. God expects that of us. God has high expectations of us. He did of Joshua. He has some high expectations of Joshua and gave him a great job and a tremendous challenge. But he also had a commitment. He had to worship. Over in the fifth chapter, as they get ready to go into Jericho, or go go across the Jordan River into Jericho, Joshua took time and worshipped God. When the angel came to him and gave him the news, Joshua just bowed and took time and worshipped. And there's times we just need to get along with God and just worship. There's sometimes he just needs our total attention, and I'm, I'm like you. I, I I get too busy sometimes, and 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 the spirit he'll take me on say, Wait a minute, Ron, you don't need to do that yet. You need to do this. I need you to spend some time with me. Oh, he has to say that to me too often. 
but we need to spend time with Him so that we can be equipped to serve Him. Well, the third third reason for Joshua's success, I don't even know why I told you that or not, but not what's on his calling, his, his uh, uh, character, but his companion. His companion, of course, was God. He was always in communion with God. He was a constant companion. He had confidence in the Word. And there's a verse in Ezra I wanted to read to you, but I won't take time today. But he was continuous in the Word. He, he didn't let the Word of the law depart from his mouth. And he did meditate there and day and night. That's what he told him to do over here in chapter 7 by the commandments of Moses. Stay with the, the Word of God and be consistently obedient to that Word. And of course, Joshua enjoyed the consequences of being faithful to the Word of God. He had good success because he stayed in God's Word. And I really believe that, that in this year, that if we... Decide within ourselves that we're going to be like Joshua. That we're going to recognize our calling. That we're going to have his level of commitment. And that we'll make God our constant companion. And do what he says, what God told Joshua to do here, do what Joshua did here. Then we'll have a prosperous new year. And we'll have success. In our personal lives, in our spiritual lives, and in everything that we do. But it comes, you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. And to be strong, you've got to do what it takes to be strong in the Lord. You've got to stay in the Word, stay about His business, and do what He's called you to do. And then you can be successful. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that Joshua looked to you, and Joshua listened to you, and Joshua lived for you in such a way, God, that you were glorified through his life and that he was successful. Lord, I know that's what you desire for each of us. Lord, that we would begin this new year with the same attitude, same commitment, same consistency that Joshua began the new journey that he took the children of Israel on. Lord, you called many of us to be leaders. Many in this church are leaders. They may not be leaders in church, but they may be leaders in the peer group at school. They may be a leader on their job. And God, when you give us those responsibilities... With that responsibility, give us a responsibility of letting you be who you are in us. Lord, you didn't call us to come to church. You called us to be the church. And may we do that this year. To your honor and glory. Speak to the heart of those who need to make decisions this morning as we have this time of decision and invitation, Lord. God, there may just be somebody, some believer here who just realizes they need to begin this new year with a deeper commitment and a, a the desire, the fortitude to stand with you, be strong, be courageous. And they won't just come kneel on this altar and just make that commitment to you this morning. Could be somebody here, Lord, who's never experienced your grace. They've never, they don't know that they have eternal life. They're not sure about it. Or there's no, they know in their heart there's no point in time that they've ever come and bowed before you and confessed their sin and would be willing to repent of that sin and to give their life to you as you would give yourself and have already for them. May they, if they're willing, if they feel the drawing power of the Holy Spirit, may they come this morning and let us show them in the Word how they can be saved and have eternal life. God, may your will be done. May you speak to our hearts. May you challenge us. And Lord, may we leave this place, Father, with the determination to answer your call, to be committed to you, and to live consistently for you in Jesus' name.